Welcome to everyone here and everyone tuning in online today. It's really great to be with you. It's good to be together. It's good to be together whether you're at home or here, and it's good to celebrate and to step into the season of Advent together. We have a couple of announcements we want to give you before we start today so that you can be aware of what's coming up this month. A lot of big things happening closer to the end of the year at River City. The first thing is that there is an Advent resource area in our lobby, whether you're here today or you're not here, you can visit that table even during the week to get an idea of the different resources we're gonna be walking through. And one of the things on that table is the He Reads Truth, She Reads Truth. And this is a group we're actually doing together during the month of December, and Kara will be leading that group. So if you have questions about that, you'd like to know more, you need, to, you need to ask them probably today so that you can be a part. But you can email Kara or you can reach out to her here. She's in the back for those that are here. And if you've already claimed a book, you can see her to grab the book. If not, then you need to order one online. There's also an app available for $1.99, which is, that's a deal that you can jump into. The next thing coming up is Prayer Week. So if you've been a part of River City for a season, you know that we usually do Prayer Week during Holy Week. And it's one of our favorite times of the year. It's one of our most uh, enjoyed, best things that we do. We, did, we couldn't do it this year because of the pandemic, but we've decided to do it to start Advent. And so all this week at the table, there is going to be prayer stations and open space for prayer that you can come be a part of from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Wednesday, it will be open for you to come. And each night there will be live worship kind of soaking worship happening in the space. I'll share with you a little bit about my station because this is something I enjoy doing, but I'm setting up stations for Advent um, that are created by Scott the Painter or Scott Erickson throughout the entire space that you can come and walk through and see all of the different images and icons that he's created. His ideas are he likes to put new art to some of the historical themes that we see to make us think. And so that's one of the stations. There's so many more that are going to be set up. On Thursday, there's going to be a worship night, an all-worship night. At the t it's that, that's in the sanctuary, correct? In the sanctuary, right in here. And then Friday morning, we'll have prayer early. For those of you who like to get up early and come in, I'll be leading that at 7 a.m. And then there's going to be a bring your own eats Friday night for a dinner. So this whole week is just an opportunity for us to be safe, but also be together and to be reminded that we can pray and we can long for Jesus together. There's so many people that are going to be a part of this. We want you guys to be a part too. The last thing is we have a holiday market that we do twice a month that Shannon is leading. And this will be this Saturday. And the idea is that local artisans come in together and they sell their goods in the table. And it's a safe space. It's socially distanced. And you get to meet some of our local artists. If you'd like to be a part of that or like to come, you can reach out to Shannon. But it's this Saturday from 10 to 2 p.m. And so... If you'll go ahead and stand with me if you're in the room, I'm going to read you our psalm for today. I want to encourage you in this room, for those of you here and those of you at home, there's not many opportunities we get to be together and to be with God where we're here specifically for that. So settle into that. Settle into not needing to be anywhere else right now. Settle in to not needing to perform right now. Settle in to knowing that Jesus is still in control. So if you're here, if you'll close your eyes as I read to you, take this in. This is Psalm 81 through seven. 
Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. Before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us an object of contention for our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved, but let your hand be on the man and your right hand, the son of man whom you have made strong for yourself. Then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life and we will call upon your name. As we settle into today and as you make space to be with your creator and with this body, my prayer for you is that you would be fully present. So right now, let your heart settle. Let your heart settle, be present. This is good. It is good to be together. Let your heart settle. Lord, we wait on you. We don't wait telling you what we're waiting on. We wait with hands open. You are good and we are together. So I pray peace and joy and hope and love throughout this season. I pray as we anticipate what's coming and what needs to come in our world, we would know that the one who's bringing it is faithful and trustworthy and that we can lean into you exactly when we don't feel those things because that's what faith is. We want to be the body of people today, the body that sees the future that you give, the body that leans into the hope. We want to be the sign amongst the nations. God is good and greatly to be praised. We love you, Jesus. We're thankful for you. we were praying our Advent prayer, we ended with proclaiming that God is still on the throne and forever will be on the throne. And then we went into a song that was, we were singing Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that is the beauty of the God that we serve, that he is both reigning on high and with us at the same time. He is both over our suffering and in our suffering at the same time. He is both worthy of our trust in the midst of suffering, but also the one who can deliver us from suffering. And so as we go into prayers of the people, we will declare that God is still on the throne and that the end of the story is not in the suffering, but we will also enter into the suffering as Christ does with us in our, in our suffering. And so we pray for the universal church, its members and its mission. We pray for the Christians in Egypt and the church and their Christian homes that were attacked, their churches destroyed, their homes set on fire. 
We pray for similar terrorist attacks happening in Indonesia for church members and churches. There are brutal, heinous attacks happening specifically against believers all over the world. Churches being burned down, prohibited from gathering in by the government because they are not of Christian faith. They're Islamic faith or Buddhist or any other. God, we mourn and we enter into the suffering of our fellow believers just as you have entered into our suffering and we lift them up to you. And we thank you that you are sitting on the throne reigning over all. Would you both be in their suffering and over their suffering, reminding them that this is not the end. We pray for the world and all those in it. We pray for the farmers attacked and killed in Nigeria. We pray for the hundreds that have been killed just this month in Ethiopia by an extremist group. We pray for the tensions in Paris as they're fighting with the police and laws that they're trying to pass. We pray for those who have been devastated in Honduras by the hurricanes. So much brokenness and so much darkness. And yet what we know to be true is that at the mention of your name, the darkness trembles. That at the mention of your name, as we call upon your name, that things shift. And so we ask that your peace would rain down where there is chaos. We ask that your light would break through where there is darkness. We ask that your comfort would come close to those who are weeping and mourning. Would you do what only you can do? We pray for the concerns of this local community in River City and those who are suffering themselves or know others who are suffering. We pray for the Edie family as they've just been hit with health crisis after health crisis. Would we, the people in the body of River City, would we partner with the Edie family and lift them up to you? We pray for Anchamika's family and Mariah's family as they are both grieving the loss of dear family members and in a holiday season where things might just not feel so cheery and happy and joyful. Would there be an anchoring, anchoring hope for them in the midst of their grief? Bring them to our hearts and on our minds that we would check in on them, that we would love them and their family well. We pray for, continue to pray for Stephen, Justin's brother, as he's recovering in the hospital. And we pray for Allison Beaver's dad as he's recovering after having just been in the hospital. We pray for Cassie's mom as she is suffering. The list of suffering goes on and on. And so we will end this time as acknowledging and remembering that you are sitting on the throne and that you are both over all suffering and in it with us and may we cling to that may our hope be secured in you and in you alone and may hope rise up in the people of river city that we would proclaim your name above all other names 
that we would walk with you in our homes, in our towns, in our communities, and that we would be an extension of you everywhere we go. And that the darkness would flee. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Many of you have been asking me, please talk more about finances. Just kidding. Nobody's been asking me that. But we're going to do that today. I told you last week I wanted to give you an update. So I'm going to give you just a quick update about where we are, the state of things with RCC's giving, a status and finance update for November 2020. I'm going to crank through some slides and I'm going to make this available. If you haven't been a part of our body this year, you know that we've been trying to be as vulnerable and open as possible with how we spend our money, what we spend our money on, and we've done two finance meetings for anybody who would like to come, and also our finance team is willing to talk with anyone that has questions. We think it's important that you know why we spend money on stuff, what we spend money on, where it goes. We don't think that churches should hide that. That should be open and easy to find. Um, and so that's, that's what we think we should do for you. But I'm going to walk you through where we're at with hopefully a little challenge, a little love, um, a little honesty. So January to August in this year, we had the highest giving in RCC's history, which was kind of baffling, but thank you, Jesus. God, God's been faithful. Amen. We, we were able to do a lot because of that, and I'll share that in a minute. The last three months have not been the same. We're down 10, 20% of our budget each month. We're not sure why, but we think there are a few factors that we should all be aware of. Number one, and this is common in any church, a small portion of people typically give the most and carry the most of the weight of giving. Um, largest givers in this season have been the ones most impacted. So it's not that we've had people step away from giving as much as the people who give the most have been impacted by the pandemic the most, and it's shown up in that, in those, in that giving. I don't personally know who gives what or who gives. That's kind of a commitment I've made, our finance team does, but I know this to be true. Number two, Buckhead Prep, who is a school that leases weekly from us, was unable to pay rent because there was no school. So we decided to let them stay for free, and then after a few months, we let them pay half. So that's been a significant contributor. And number three, we have a space downstairs called The Table, which is a rental space in Smyrna. In January and February, it was the, I think it was the number one space in Smyrna, and we were bringing in a ton of money. There was five or six months of no income because of the pandemic. Thankfully, the last couple months, it's been very different. We've had an uptick in all of the, the rentals. It's been great. Moving along. What can we celebrate as of now? God is faithful and has provided what we've needed. I would say that for you personally and for us. He's been faithful. Even these circumstances we're in now are just opportunities to me. I'm not afraid of anything with it. We've been able to give about $40,000 to missions and people in need this year. That's the most we've ever given in the middle of a pandemic. So you need to celebrate the giving on that. That's been amazing. Just a side note, you'll hear about this in a little bit. We have a Christmas fund too for people who are unable to help in that. You can go online and go to our website and go under give and there's a tab that says needs and you can give to that and it will go towards people who can't provide anything for Christmas this year. Number three, we have been able to restructure some things this year while adding significant hours to Kara's job description and giving her a new role in groups and connections. 
while also hiring an administrative assistant. These are things to celebrate and things God has provided for us. So we can clap there too. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> Current giving landscape. So you should know who gives and how gives and all that stuff. So 66 households gave last month. Uh, that's just that month. And it's similar to that throughout the year. 21 of those households give over 80% of RCC's entire giving. So think, think about that. 21 of the 66 households that give, give over 80% of the entire giving for RCC. 24 households give between 0 and 2% of RCC's giving. So that's a little over who gives 80%. A little more of that gives 0 to 2%. And then 14 households give between 2 and 5% of RCC's entire giving. This is not 2 and 5% of what they bring in. This is what our budget. Does that make sense? Two and five percent of our total giving is, is given 14 households. The bottom line is, and this is true for most churches, 21 households basically carry the entire church. And I'm thankful that they have given, and I'm thankful that God has provided people who will give continually. But I think there's growth, and I think there's truth that needs to happen with us. You can go to the next one. So moving into 2021, we know we have the people already. It's one thing if we're expecting money from a body that we just don't have the people and there's, it's just not, that's one thing. That's putting something on Jesus that's not there. It's another thing if we have the people that could give and those people are available. We have people at our church. We have people watching online. We have people present. We have people in this body and we know there is room for much growth and faithful giving from our body. The way we see it is we all go together in all this. In our giving, our wise counsel, our staff, and our body, we all know that we play a part in this role. From the first day we've ever gathered, my family personally has always given 10%. And I, I know that's kind of a cliche, kind of old school, but it, you'll hear in a second how I believe it is a, a, a scriptural premise. But our staff knows, our wise counsel knows, we can't expect buy-in for 2021 if we're not willing to do it. So all of us are practicing this. All of us are not just speaking to you something we'd like you to do. So moving right along. So what we learn in scripture, and I'm not going to preach on this. There's actually a message from about three years ago we did on some of the depth of this that we can make available for you this week, but I'm going to give you some quick hits. 10% was an Old Testament requirement because the people were unwilling to give and God said, no, you're going to give 10% to make sure that the priests are taken care of. Of course, that doesn't carry over into the New Testament. And here's what we do, though. A lot of people are like, that's an Old Testament thing. I don't have to give at all. No, that's not true. That's not the truth. In Acts, we see that it becomes a larger buy-in with generosity and meeting all the needs of all the people. So that 10%, this is not going to land well with many people. You can go ahead and brace yourself. Just be like, 10% would be a starting point for people who say, I don't think I should give. I understand that's not where we live in this culture. I understand we have to start somewhere. The reality is starting somewhere is better than not starting at all. So moving right along. We learn in scripture and why don't people give? This is what I've learned. Number one, people are unwilling because we have an unhealthy connection to wealth. We just want to control all of our own money and it's mine, I earned it, right? I did, I did this, it's my money. And we have an unhealthy connection to it, so we don't want to give. 
Number two, we would rather give to something we can see outside of our local body. We give to this and that, and we give when we feel like it and when we're nudged, but consistent giving to the local body is not a value. And so we give to things we can see, like people in other countries or people we want to support through YWAM, but we don't want to give to our local body because we can't see where that's going, right? It's not tangible enough. That's a common thing. Another one, and I think the biggest one, is we just don't want to give. Please don't talk to me about money. I don't want to give. The next thing is, another huge thing is people just simply forget. It's amazing how many people are like, oh, I just forgot, or I didn't set that up. It's huge. Churches, and this is, I think, where I've struggled the most, churches either avoid the topic, which is what I've done for a lot of years, or spend entirely too much time on the topic, which is what all of our churches we came from did, right? So we're like, just let, let's not talk about it. Let's just gather together and don't, don't worry about it. Moving right along. So... Our heart and what we want to be honest with you about. And if you're visiting this church today and you're a part of another church, this is 100% true for wherever you are. 100% true. If you're visiting, you don't give to our church. No. Like you don't pick six churches to give to. Pour into your local body. That's so important. It's so important to do that. We believe when you step into this body, you're a part of this body. We believe that each member of the body is healthiest when they step into volunteering, into being formed spiritually within the community. I'm not saying being formed out is bad, but to saying, yes, I'm a part of growing and being formed within this body, to giving financially, yes, and to praying with and for the body. Those four things are massive in whatever part, whatever body you're in. And in fact, the people sometimes that have the strongest opinions about all those things are people that are not willing to do all those things. When you invest those four ways into a church, you know that your voice matters. You're an investor in it. You invest with your prayer. You invest with your volunteering. And you can see and tell that from people. We want you invested in these four ways. We believe it's healthiest. And we know that the body will be the healthiest when this becomes our reality. I actually think we're farther along than a lot of bodies. We really are, but I think there's room for growth, right? And so here's some practical things, I think. Practical ownership, everybody say practical ownership. You're like, just get through this, Josh. Preach me that word, that rhema word, amen, amen? All right, if you don't give, start now. Okay, I don't want this to sneak past anybody. If you're a part of the body and you don't give, start now, start. If you're like, I ain't got no money, I need your help. Reach out to us, we wanna help you. If that's the issue, we have a fund to help you. If you literally are unable to make it, we want to help. But if you're not giving, start now. We need you to step into the body. Start now, I say start now. Say, I'm starting now. Nope, okay, all right, cool, 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 cool. All right, set it up on a monthly withdrawal. This is so important because we can rely on it as we budget and plan for things like staffing and things we're gonna do. It's so huge. You can access the giving portal on our website. If you have questions, if all of your inner spiritual flags are like, boing, right now, reach out. We will meet with you. We will talk with you. You can email Jonathan Godby. We're gonna provide you with all of his stuff. You can show up at his house. Just kidding, don't do that. He will answer any questions. We will make available to you this week, the entire budget, you can look at it. We want you to know that, we want you to buy in. Be decisive, we need you to be decisive. Step in, right? I think this is the thing for me that I want you to know. 
This is, this is how serious this is. If even the 25 households that give between zero and 2% were to give 5%, which is what I kind of feel like is almost the starting spot, it would change the way we did everything here. It would literally change how we do staff, what we can produce, what we can provide for people. If the people who don't give started giving, it would change everything here. If the people who are giving 10% and have been faithful for years, I'm not asking you to do more than you're supposed to do. It's not your job to give for other people, right? And we can't blame God for things when we're not willing to be a part of it. We can't blame when some family's not able to have a need met. We can't blame when we can't do a thing when we're not doing our part in any area. And so this church or any church, be decisive, step in, start. I don't necessarily care if you're only 19. Start now. It will change you. You won't talk to anybody who's been given giving for a season of time that is upset about it. Talk to any person who has given for a season in their life, they are not upset about it, right? And I'm gonna read you this quote because Jonathan has been trying to have me read this to you for 17 years. I've only known him for six. So it doesn't even make sense. We vote every month with what we want to see in RCC by how we volunteer, by how we pray, by how we step into spiritual formation, and we vote if we're a part by our financial giving. John Wesley says, giving leads to financial freedom every single time. Not giving leads to financial stress and being strapped. Wealth has never satisfied ever. And we don't give because we're gonna get back. We're not like, it's not a pyramid scheme with God. We're like, we'll give you this 20 if you get this, that 200. That's not how it works. When we give, we start to operate in what it's like to not be selfish. It's practicing selflessness. It's teaching our kids selflessness. So we don't give because we're investing on gold that's coming in two months, right? We give because that's the posture of Jesus. And that's how we embody. And yes, we become less strapped to what wealth provides when we do that. I've never talked this much on finance. It's a good season to do it, right? In a pandemic, right? We're just breaking all the rules. So as we go into the rest of this year, I'm just saying this. I'm praying, and I would prophesy, but that would just be me. I'm just saying, if you cannot make ends meet, talk to us. We want to help. If you're just not giving for some odd reason, start. Talk to us. We want to help. I want 2021 to be the year where we see everybody around the table, not just a college frat party where everybody brings chips and there's no food, right? I'm talking about like family Thanksgiving at your grandma's where everybody brings a real dish and you're like thankful, right? It's a difference. Anyway, so as we read this today, this is our offering prayer. Allow yourself to be present. Allow yourself to wrestle with the things that are stirring in you now. Some of you have been giving so faithfully, you're just mad at the people that don't now. That doesn't help either, right? I, I've, I've, many people who give and have given for long seasons of time are really upset at people that don't because they wanna share. They wanna share the load. That's not helpful. And many people are just mad that I'm talking about money. This is not about you and me. This is about trust. This is about God. This is about you. This is about your connection with wealth, 
right? It's important. So, let's read this together on the count of three. One, two, three. Great God of wonderful surprises, we enter this season of preparation for your son's coming, looking not just for a memory of past events, but anticipating a return. We strive to get our lives in order and pray that our giving of ourselves to these preparations might reflect the earth, shaking importance of his coming. Help us to give ourselves generously. For we do not know the day or the hour. We pray in the name of the one who will come. Amen. That was good. That was, we got through it, guys. Amen. Give everybody a high five. Socially distanced high five. Low fives are good too. Now I get to preach, which will probably be funner. If not, then I'm sorry. That's my fault in some ways. Um, but I want to share a little bit about the heart of Advent. So for many people, Advent is... Um, there's, there's two streams of people that I've met. There are the people who are like, why are we talking about Advent, right? Every day's Easter. Every day's a celebration. That's kind of the stream I came from. The stream through my whole life was we celebrate now, we celebrate thick and long, and we are here. And then there's the other stream of people who sat in churches for years, and it felt like the presence of Jesus was never there. It felt dead and empty. And Advent is a reminder of dead and empty spaces. But for us it's an opportunity to learn how to wait pregnantly. I'll try and nuance that in a little bit. I know nothing of being pregnant other than spiritually. I'll try and nuance that, but we don't know how to wait. We don't love waiting. 2020 has given us some opportunities, am I right? To wait. To wait through political turmoil, to wait through a pandemic, to wait through all of the racial tensions that have surfaced, to wait through just our own stuff, just in our body alone in the last two weeks. There's been three funerals. There's been massive emergencies just in our body, just on top, just waiting and groaning. When is this gonna stop? When will there be peace? God, will you come? Will you be here? This is what we've been doing. Last week, my friend, Dr. Johns, came and preached. If you did not get to be a part, I asked that you would watch this message not only because I think it was a great message, but I think it's a word for our body. I think it's a word for this season. She shared from Exodus 35, and she talked about this community of people that was deciding to go into this wilderness, and they were trying to figure out what set them apart. And they understood that God was saying, it's my presence that sets you apart. And they said things like, we won't go without your presence. How could we? So they talked about this community of artisans and craftsmen coming together and all who had willing hearts would produce these things. Some would carve woods, some would make these fine things and they were building this tent, not to be stable but a portable tent. So the presence of God now lived in this tent and it would travel because the presence is not limited anymore but they spent their time building this tent out because the presence of God was important. 
So yes, it wasn't just throw up some white tables and let's just ask people to come and we'll just sit through it. It was people who had a heart that was willing. We read this again in our staff this week just because we felt like it was so for us. All whose hearts were willing provided what was needed. All whose hearts were willing jumped in. All whose hearts were willing knew that the tent was the tent and it had to be there and the presence of God was important. And when all whose hearts were willing stepped in, it became the beautiful place for God to live. This is a word for us for next year. I believe this word is for you. I believe God is saying, is your heart willing? You know or you don't. Is your heart willing for the presence of God to be the focus in your life, in our church, in your church? And if it is, it's time to stop hoping that the things surface that you want and step in. We need somebody that can carve a chai wood. I don't even, that's not even how to say it, but they were carving wood and stuff. We need somebody that we don't even know. It's a season for artisans and creativity like we've not seen before. We don't need to return to the old forms, right? Not the old flesh pots. We need the creativities for this season now. And you have it. We have it. We have it. And it's not about your ministry becoming your ministry. It's about the presence of God being first and foremost important. Their yes was their yes and they knew it. So they could step in. For us, a lot of us are like, what's our yes? We don't even know. I'm stepping into what? I'm just coming and gathering. The presence of God is the house and we embody that. We are the carriers of his presence and we're the tent of meeting. Where we go, he goes. And if that's the most important thing as he stirs this creativity, there's artisans. There's creativities that many of you don't even know. You're, you're needed for this season. So here's my word for you. You can call it what you want. I am not a prophet, nor the son of a prophet, although my dad might argue with you on that. Hallelujah. Here's what I think it is for you. God has skilled you. He's looking for a willing heart. And will you step in to build his, not yours? And if you allow that to stir, remember last week she talked about the same spirit of creativity in this passage, Exodus 35, is the same spirit that hovered over the water. And she added a picture that has ruined me for this text, that I just always kind of thought, the spirit was just hovering. She said the spirit was stirring, stirring the water, hovering over the dark water, stirring and stirring and stirring and stirring. And that same spirit is here now in this season, in this wilderness pandemic, stirring and stirring and stirring and asking us, will you step in? Will you be the carriers of my presence? I love this imagery because it says to each of us, what you bring is important, but you're not the goal. The presence of God is a goal, right? And I'm going to Hmm. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this, and I love worship. But in the 90s and early 2000s, God did a massive move through the worship, through, through worship, through singing. And it spread across the land, right? Like Hillsong was like killing it They're just for decades. And then after a season, I started to wonder, like, is, is and I think many people felt like worship was this way only, and God's going to come that way, and if he doesn't come that way, he's going to come anyway. We sometimes worship the form in which God came. And I think we're in a season where God is saying, are you gonna worship me? Or are you gonna worship the form that brought me to you? So here's the deal. We can't worship worship. We can't worship just the word. 
We have to worship God. And that doesn't limit him to singing songs of worship. That means that artisans and skilled craftsmen can worship through their work. It's not limited anymore. He's taking things up. It's not just gonna be through worship, through song. It's gonna be through all kinds of means. It's gonna be through orange theory. It's gonna be through people who actually make wood. Eric, it's gonna be through writing songs that speak to a deeper thing. It's gonna be to poetry. It's gonna be to... Jen worshiping through this, it's gonna be in such a broader way. Let's not worship the previous forms. Remember, those forms are bridges to the presence of God, but not the presence. Let's not limit him. And especially in this season, let's keep worshiping. Don't hear me say I don't wanna worship. Let's keep worshiping God because we have to, but let's not limit it just to song. What if we're a people that can broaden this in such a way that when we're working at nothing but cakes, People are like, that dude is worshiping in his work. When you're work, working, wherever you work, it's, it's worship. That is a different people. Can I get an amen? Amen, amen. amen. So, <laughs> this season of Advent, God uses a tool. He uses tools all through our lives. Tools help us. No one in here is a tool, so don't hear me say that. But the tool is waiting. And waiting does something to us that nothing in receiving can do. Waiting? And why do we wait? Think about it. Like when you're waiting and you know, like I'm waiting, if you're in line, if you're, waiting is not interesting because you want what you're waiting for. But in the waiting, what we see is God gives us the gifts that actually supersede and actually outweigh what we have waited for. In the waiting, right, as, as Jen is making this, right, the finished product is not even finished yet. There's two or three more things she has to do for that to be done. But in that waiting for it, in, in the work that's being done for it, she's doing things to it that are fortifying its base, that are making it usable, that, are, that will, it will be beautiful, but in that waiting for it to be purchasable or sellable or usable, there's things happening that are making its worth more worthy, making it better. It's happening and all of it's important, right? And I would even imagine to say, if you talk to Jen, she would say that selling it is not even as fun as making it. There's something about what's happening in the molding that God uses in our lives. And it's a season of molding right now. It's a season of waiting right now. We've never had to wait for so many things. And so I'm gonna read you Isaiah 64, one through nine again. This is Isaiah, who is, he is our Advent prophet, but he's just, he just got a, a, a bad deal in a lot of ways. He had to cry out when people wouldn't. He had to deal with the brokenness when people wouldn't. And so this passage is him like, I've had enough. This is his prayer. That's the kind of prayer that you feel from within you. It's almost like groaning. It's almost like blah, 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 instead of words. It's like, no, like do something. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence. As when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, do that, to make your name known to your adversaries so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you and your ways, but you are angry 
and we sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. This is Isaiah blaming God for their sin. Because you hid, we transgressed. We never do that. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are like filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind. Take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you. Now he's like recognizing the people. He's like, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O Lord, you are our father and we are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember the iniquity forever. Now consider we are all your people. I'm gonna pray. Jesus, I thank you for the words of this prophet. I pray today he is a mentor. He's an active mentor in this room that we would be mentored by him into Christ-likeness, into being willing and moldable and malleable. And we thank you, Jesus. Isaiah is fed up. You can open your eyes. Isaiah is fed up and he's honest. And what I think he does is he is telling God what it's like on earth. You know the phrase we use, we used to put up here, that on earth as it is in heaven? There are prayers we need to pray where it's just on earth as it is on earth. Like in Josh as it is in Josh. In Aaron as it is in Aaron. And there are times and seasons where we have to get so real about that because when we're real about how it's in Sarah as it is in Sarah, we start to bump into the need we have for a God. But until we can slow down enough to say, I've had enough of this. You're not present. Where are you? Where we can go through the blaming and the anger. I think you did it, God. Maybe they did it. They don't call out for you. You hid from them. These kind of prayers that come out of seasons where things aren't happening like they should. Why are people dying right now? Why are friends of mine hurting why do I feel a deep groaning sadness? And I do. I'm going to be honest about it in a little bit, hopefully without crying. I feel a deep groaning sadness I can't label right now. And when I sit presently with myself, I want to cry. Last night I was sitting and I was like, I'm not going to sit too long because I'm probably going to start crying and it's going to be strange to my family. Why are things the way they are? Why are we still hiding in our houses? Why are we wearing masks in public? Why are we wearing spiritual masks? Two weeks in a row I've done that. Why are, we, why are we where we're at? Why is the political arena the way it is? I saw a tweet this week. It was great. And I'm going to say it. The right wing and the left wing are neither wings of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, That's, that will preach. Amen. He's fed up. He's like, I think I've had enough of in Isaiah as it is in Isaiah. I'd like some in Isaiah as it is in heaven. And he gets to this spot where he's, he's saying we need you. Surprise us, he's saying. Do what you did. Do those things you did when you surprised us, where we were like, oh my gosh, did you see that? He shook the earth. Mountains trembled. But God's not doing that here. There's something happening. Bonhoeffer has a quote. Actually, this is kind of a discussion about the Bonhoeffer quote that I'm going to read to you. You can pull this up, Bill. 
What Bonhoeffer discovered was that the hiddenness of God is not a cloak of humility temporarily covering an awesome, powerful glory, a kind of Clark Kent Superman act. That's not what's happening. But rather as a reflection of the divine character, a divine determination to relate to the world through the vulnerable path of non-coercive love and suffering service, rather than through domination and force. God's refusal to replicate a Red Sea type deliverance does not mean that God has abandoned Israel or the church. Our hope does not rely on God's acting today in the same ways God acted in ancient stories, but it relies on God being the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. A God who hears our cries, a God who does not abandon us, and a God who will finally redeem all of the lost in the new heaven and the new earth, Isaiah 65. The tradition of biblical lament does not invoke the past as nostalgia, nor does it dismiss the present as despair. Rather, it draws on, a collective, on the collective memories of God's presence as the source of hope for the future. His presence is not him doing the thing. And what he's showing Isaiah and this community here is you've forgotten about my presence. He even says it. They forgot to call on you. He asked three times for him to be present like he was, three times. They want a moment to happen. Quake those mountains, shatter open the sea. God's like, this work's not gonna happen through that method, guys. This is a deeper work. This work doesn't come in an answered prayer that you prayed, it comes in an answered prayer that I'm groaning and you can't even perceive. It comes through a depth that you can't even get to yet. That's what this is about. This is about taking you to a depth you're unable to get to by answered prayers. So they've been taken into exile and they're dealing with not having the things the way that they want them. And I believe he bumps into two things here that he learns that we need to learn. You cannot control God. You cannot wield him at your will to do what you want him to do. He is not a tool to be used by us. He is not a tool to be used by us. And number two, there are consequences for our actions. And yes, God is redeeming and forgiving, but he allows us into the cleansing stream of what our sin produces to purify us. You needed to feel what it felt like to not choose me. It's as if he's saying, I need you to become unchildren so that you can become children again. Because you, think, you thought this gift is now yours to just wield and you've demanded it, but you need to receive it as a gift again. This calling as my children and my community, this calling to bear my name and my presence, this needs to be re-gifted to you because you've taken it for granted. This was always about my presence. This was never about you and what you get and you ruling the earth. And they had to learn. So he took them into a wilderness and we're in a wilderness, a pandemic wilderness. And we get to learn or we don't. We can go rebuild the temple just like it was, and it will be hollow and empty, and God's presence will not be there, or we can learn the lessons of today and learn from our mentor, Isaiah, and this community, these children that had to learn a long lesson. Their lesson was not a year and a half. It was hundreds of years. It was, you really don't get this, so I'm gonna give you opportunity. Here's some opportunity to grow. This is gonna take you 400 years, so push, push pause on it. But the waiting isn't empty waiting. The waiting is similar to what it feels like to be pregnant. Again, I have no history of pregnancy other than peripherally through Sarah. But that waiting, 
where you know something's coming, you can't see it, you feel it, you can anticipate it. There's also this like stirring joy in the midst of it, like I, I can't even imagine what's gonna come. It's also interesting that we've been in a pandemic for nine months, and I feel pregnant with the Spirit of God in new ways like I've not before. I feel hope for the church and for you like I've not before. I feel as if we're pregnant waiting, not as if we're just waiting and hopefully God will come through. He's gonna come through. Now, it may not look like what we want it. For Isaiah, he would have liked the mountains to quake and then centuries later, they got a baby. And he was like, oh, here's your answer. Can you take care of a baby? And it was, I mean, they had to hide. Think about God's answer was, here's a baby you have to hide from people. You have to travel around. You have to take care of it. You have to help it grow. You have to deal with the scandal of the spirit making Mary pregnant. There's a scandal to start. So he's like, here's your answered prayer. It's a scandal. Can you handle it? It doesn't look like what they wanted. It was a gift that continued. That's what God's gifts do. They continue to form us. It's not like, ooh, got that. Got my prophet badge. I'm gonna go be a prophet. I got my worship leader badge, got my preacher badge. No, it's like a gift that continues to form you. It requires interaction with God or it doesn't become the gift. That's the gifts of God. You have to steward them like a baby. That's good stuff right there. Somebody should tweet that. <laughs> you have to steward the gifts. So, so here's, here's where I think for six years I know it's not gonna be about stages anymore for any of us. It's not. Stages, like if this is, if the gift for you is being on a stage doing your thing, it's already misused. It's already flat and empty. But if a gift is that God has given you the ability to serve the world through a something that draws them into his presence, that's like wherever you are. That's your bedroom, that's your car, that's here. That's all over, but it has to be stewarded. It's not a badge. You can't put your gift on a badge and wear it. In fact, if you are around people that wear their gifts on their badge, you probably just need to say, I love you. Um, I don't know what you're gonna say. You're gonna have to figure out something creative because that's not good. Because they're not even our gifts, right? Remember the, remember the Exodus 35 story? The whole deal is a presence of God inhabited by the people. That's the goal, that's the yes, all point towards that. So all of us, right? That's all of us. I'm, I'm jumping, it's okay. So hopefully we can learn. So this is just gonna crank through this. We gotta stop. We gotta stop and we gotta learn. That you need to, you need to be honest about in you as it is in you right now. Because this is how you are continually formed on the journey. But if you're just hiding, if you just start buying, some of you need to push pause on Amazon right now. Because now you have a reason to spend all the money. Because Christmas is coming. If you're just hiding in a consumer culture, and a consumer holiday, you're gonna miss the story of Advent. What this whole season is about the people of God learning to wait on him. And when he shows up, it's the good stuff. We've gotta stop, we've gotta listen. In you as it is in you, what's the story? Be honest, say it, lament it, scream it from the mountaintops, in your car, at people, not at people, but scream it in your car. Be honest, as it is in you. It's such an important thing. We value endings more than journeys. Like we've said the thing, what can God do with a life, right? Because we decide after somebody makes the mistake, oh, that guy's done. What can God do with a life, a whole life, a journey? 
right? A whole pottery thing. Like there's a very big difference in going and purchasing that from the store and then creating it from scratch. What can God do with the whole life? The journey is the Christian story, not the ending, not the receiving, the journey. So those places in you right now where you're like, this is awful, fix it, that is the potter's wheel for you. That is where you're being formed right now. Not where you're getting all the things. That's great. God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. But the places where it's not where it should be is where the formation is happening the strongest right now. And that's where you can say, I don't see it. I don't even feel it. I'm on the wheel. Maybe there's hands on me right now. He's always behind me. He's like the wheel that stays behind him. But you can say, thank you, Jesus, that I know your presence will produce whatever. Because he's a father and an artisan. And a father is not a one-off. And I'm sorry if that's been the story in your life, but a father is a lifetime commitment. A father is, that's your whole life. My father's my father till I die. So he's saying to them, I'm your father. I'm all of life with you. I'm not the mountain quaking. I can be, and he can be, right? He could take the roof off this building if he wanted. We could all start dancing uncontrollably if he wanted. That's, but his presence, it's like a father. And he's an artisan, I love it. Oh, I could, I could scream it. He's an artisan. He's an artisan that lovingly crafts the things he's doing. He's not like, get in shape, Jordan. He's like, oh, I'm loving this. I'm loving the formation of you and where you're at right now. I'm loving spending time working this part out because you're struggling with it, but wait till you see how it's used. This is the beautiful work of our Father. It's so good. So anticipate. And don't control it, right? You can't control it. We got a baby to take care of. Isaiah wanted mountains to tremble. Gifts are in the waiting. So today I'm just gonna ask, I think I'm gonna do this. Uh, I was gonna decide if we were a little long, but I'm gonna play a song for you because I think one of the messages in this text is to notice God's presence in the small ways. To not just wait for the thing, not just waiting for the healed marriage, not just waiting for the sickness to be cured, but noticing God in the wind or in, I noticed God when you guys got up today. I felt in my spirit, this is a sign that the presence of God is here. I noticed God when you spoke, I noticed God. I notice God when my kids play in the yard. I notice God when Luke Wills is affectionate and kind, because he always is. I notice God when I see people walking that I've never met before. I notice God. Do you notice God? He's coming. He's not yet here, but he's already here. Can we wait and celebrate? Can we do that? So I'm gonna ask you to interact with a few of these questions today, and we'll play a song for you to interact with these questions. Here's, here's the idea. Where are you right now? What is in Stacy as it is in Stacy right now? Sorry, Stacy, for calling you out for there. They don't know which Stacy I'm talking about. Stacy Abrams. What are you longing for? What are you longing for? Where are you seeing and experiencing God? And I want you to interact with those three things when we play the song. Number two, join the Advent group that Kara is starting. It's a communing group that talks through 
these rich, deep themes see her today. Be a part of community in that way. And then, and then the next page. Stop by the Advent resource table on your way out. Please don't steal any of our materials. We will forgive you, but we'll have to replace them. Participate in the prayer week this week. If I could, I wish I could have pictures of what this week is because people are always shocked by it. But our entire space is like a station to interact with and the presence of God is so present in all of the ways. And you walk in and you're at peace. We're not slamming things at you. We're, We're creating a space to be with God in different avenues. Come this week and be a part. You'll have plenty of distance from other people. There's never more than 15 or 20 people in the entire space except for at night. And even then we can create space. But I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes. And as we start this song, I'm gonna ask you to allow the spirit of God to stir you. Look at me real quick before you close your eyes. This is the spirit of God. Keep this in your mind. The spirit of God is stirring, stirring. Lady wisdom is stirring, is stirring, is stirring you. Not so that you can be stagnant and sit and be like you are this time next year. Creative, artisan, are you making fun of me? It's okay. So now you can close your eyes. Jesus, help us to see where we are in our journey. Help us to scream out our longings, even if they're out of place. You have room for that. God, help us to notice where you already are. Something about noticing where you already are that makes life manageable and good and rich. We thank you, Jesus. Just take three or four minutes during this song. So we're gonna close out service and just kind of create some space to pray in here. I just wanna pray over you today as you interact with these questions. Jesus, I thank you for a body that seeks you. We don't want to be this community that forgot to call on your name. We don't want to do our own ways. There are people in this community that chose idols over the presence of God. Don't let us be the people that choose idols over the presence of God. Don't let us choose our culture's desire to achieve over the presence of God. Don't let us choose financial security over the presence of God. Don't let us choose a spouse or our kids even over the presence of God. Let us interact as we long and wait and thank you for being present with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I wanna invite you guys this week to prayer week. Jump into Advent with us. We love you very much. Thank you again for joining us today and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.